Praise God. Well, get your Bibles out this morning, church. And if you would, go to the book of Judges, chapter 7. I thought I had finished this message I preached last week. And then the Lord had another idea here. If you weren't here last week, uh, I started preaching a message on Gideon. Or I think I called it something. The dens, the caves, the strongholds. Praise God. That's what we called it. And uh, anyway, so you need to go back and listen to that message if you weren't here. But I'm taking off of that, that same message, the same thought, but this morning's title is How to Play a Trumpet. I'm going to teach all of y'all today how to play a trumpet. So by the end of the service, y'all all be trumpet players, Okay. I don't know if anybody in here is a really good professional trumpet player. I I never was. uh, You'd think I'd be pretty good on wind instruments, but (laughs) never seemed to work. Guess couldn't pucker my lips right or whatever. So anyhow, uh, well, I told you to go to Judges. Go to Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1. We're going to start right there. Because I left you last week in the story of Gideon and, and, and about what God was doing to him and how he was, had an image. He was looking at an image inside of him that was different from the image that what Gideon was seeing. Gideon's hiding in a wine press and God's calling him a mighty man of valor. Because God looks at your potential. God doesn't look at, at your mistakes. He doesn't look at even your your you know, your physical structure, your mental capabilities. God's looking at him inside of you and what you're able to do and what you're able to perform if you just be with him. Amen? And so anyway, uh, the story goes on because the Midianites are still out there. And where I left you last week, I kind of left you at that point, but the Midianites are still there. The enemies come into the camp of Israel. They're all, they're all there. They're t- still in the land. The, the problem's still there. Everybody say the problem's still there. So God's got to get Gideon and, and make an army and get rid of them, but God's going to do it his own way. How many of y'all know God didn't think like we think? And aren't you glad? Huh? I mean, if God was just a human being sitting up there and just thought like he did, we'd be in some serious trouble, okay? So anyway, Isaiah 58.1 says, Cry loud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Now, the trumpet in, a, in the Bible is, is, is a symbol of your prophetic voice. In other words, it's the voice of God coming out of you, becoming a prophetic voice. I know it sounds kind of, you know, strange to say your prophetic voice, but you got everybody, each and every one of us this morning, you have a prophetic voice. You're prophesying your future. Hear what I'm saying? You're prophesying your future. You may be prophesying doom and gloom. You may be prophesying shipwreck. You may be prophesying glory. You may be prophesying you're the head, not the tail. You may be prophesying I am the tail and not the head. Are y'all with me? You're going to walk in your prophetic voice. I've always used this illustration that uh, one of the things that you learn when you start riding a motorcycle is that whatever you look at, you're going to run over. 
If you see a rock in the middle of the road and you start staring at that rock and you're going to say, oh, there's a rock, I'm going to miss a rock. And you keep looking at the rock, you're going to run slap dab over it. No matter if you're leaned over on the side, if you're still looking at it somehow or another, I don't understand it, but you will run slap dab over it. You with me? You look at where you're going. When you drive your car, how do you, how many, you know, why do we have problems with so many wrecks? Because people are watching, looking at their phone. They're dis, they call them distracted drivers, right? Well, they're not looking where they're going. Well, how about you in life? Are you looking where you're going? Do you have a prophetic voice in your life? Are you setting forth the course for your life by your prophetic voice? And if you are, which way is it going? Forwards, backwards, left, right. Okay. So now go to Judges chapter 7. Let's look at this story. And the Lord said to Gideon, I'm in Judges 7-2. Judges 7-2. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give them Midianites into their hand. Least Israel claim glory for itself, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful, afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. There's 32,000 people there. And Gideon step seven says, uh, whoever's afraid and fearful, faint-hearted, you can go home. And 22,000 leave. I mean, that's enough right there to make you, whoever's left, get fearful, right? Everybody's leaving. You're like, oh, wow, there's everybody, you know. Y'all with me? That would be enough to just make you stop and say, oh, God, what are we going to do? But let me tell you something. It's interesting that God did this because God doesn't ever operate in fear. Listen to me. As a preacher, I have never preached fear to you. I will not preach a hellfire and damnation message. I will not preach a dangling doctrine message. Oh, you're going to go hell. I'm going to preach the love of God. I'm going to use faith, not fear. Hello? I don't believe in fear tactics. I don't believe in operating in fear. I don't believe in walking in fear because I'm going to tell you what, fear will get you killed. Hello? Fear will get you killed. Fear isn't going to lead you to victory. Fear is going to lead you to failure. You're going to start making mistakes when you walk in fear. When you walk in fear, you're going to start operating differently than when you're operating in faith. All right? Now, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, y'all probably all know this scripture, but God didn't give us a spirit of fear. God never intended you to walk in fear because fear is the opposite of faith. Now, I hate to say it. Let's just be real. Worry is fear. We just, it's just labeled differently. Right? But worry is fear at its root. Worry is fear. It's all it is. When you're worried about something, you're in fear. Now, you can write off every excuse you've got. And say, well, you know, it's different. I mean, we need to be cautious and we need to be, uh, uh, you know, it's not really worry. It's just caution, Pastor. And, we, you know, we just, these are the things. We, but, you know, I mean, come on, just admit it. It's fear. Hello? Now, see, even myself, even myself, I, I, try, to, I try to skim around things because, like, I'm the kind of person that I, I like to prepare for what might happen. And I tell myself it's not fear, but the real truth of the matter is, you know, it's not faith. Like I'm going to be flying out to, to meet my wife and the grandkids over in Hawaii on Tuesday. And I'm already starting to have to fight off fear. 
All right? Because I, I think about, oh, gosh, I got to go to the airport. Oh, my God, I got to. And I'm flying by myself, right? Because everybody else on the plane's not for me. <laughs> this is my approach. And so I keep trying to coach myself and say, Robert, stop thinking like that. It can't be that bad. You're going to make it. Things are going to be all right, you know? And then I start to get worried. <laughs> Worried's fear, right? And so what I'm saying is we try to call it something else, but the truth of the matter is fear doesn't have any place in our life. We've got to have faith that God said he'd order my steps and prepare my way and make all the crooked paths straight. Right? So we can call it what we want to, but fear is never of God. So no matter how you want to mask it, no matter what you want to call it, fear is not God. Don't worry. Look at the person beside you and say, don't worry. So let's go to this next one here. Look at verse 4. So the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. He's got 10,000. Bring them down to the water and I'll test them there. Then it will be that you, that, uh, that, then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go, the same shall go with you. Of whomever I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water as his tongue as a dog laps, then uh, set up him apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, was 300. The first time I read that story, I was thinking of, you know, 10,000 people down there all like on their hands and knees lapping like a dog. And I was like, what kind of people are those? Those are the ones God wanted, but... Look at what it says. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. All the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. And the Lord said, by these 300 who have lapped, I will save you. So what happened was, when you understand this, 300 people knelt down on their knee and took water in their hand and brought it to their mouth so they could keep watching to see what was happening. The others of them ran over there to the water, got down their hands and knees, stuck their face in the water and drank water. Well, that's a good way to get killed. You know, the Midianites are out there hiding in the bushes. Their face is down the water. They're not seeing anything going on. The rest of them knelt with a knee and looked around and God said, I'll take those 300 sharp ones. So it wasn't that they lapped like a dog. It was that they took their hand and they did this because they were watching. Okay. The second part of this is, okay, we don't walk in fear, and we have to, but we have to be vigilant. There's a difference. There's a difference. It's not being fearful to be aware of your situations and circumstances. It's not being fear. It's not fear to know what's going on in your situation and to be on guard. That's not fear. That's faith because you're ready to say, okay, God, what are we going to do? When the, God, the, the men that God chose were the ones that were looking, they were aware of their circumstances and situation. They didn't just walk out and just willy-nilly get killed. Hello? You've got to be aware of your situation in life and realize that some of the things that are going on in life, they're not just happening because they're things that are going on demonically there are things that are going on from this fallen world you live in that are trying to kill you. Yesterday, I made the very, very, very wrong decision to go to uh, the grocery store. 
I don't do well in a grocery store. I didn't have a list. Uh, it was Saturday. I guess everybody decided they were going to the river and needed a couple of cases of beer. I've never seen so many people. It's unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And I was in there just like, oh, what did I do, do this? But I needed something. And so anyway, I couldn't hardly get my shopping done by trying to watch out for everybody. And then what I noticed was so funny when I went out into the parking lot, like everybody's diligent. Everybody's just going and pushing their carts and kids and getting stuffs everywhere. And then I went outside and I saw three people walking through the parking lot, just kind of looking. <laughs> and I knew they didn't know where their car was. And I'm like, yeah, y'all are so busy in there shopping. You don't even remember where you parked. Well, I knew where I parked. <laughs> but that's how people are living their lives. They're going around through lives, not even realizing, not even just wandering through the parking lot looking for their car, wandering through the parking lot looking for this and that and the other. We're just going through life, just wandering. And nobody's being vigilant. Nobody's looking to say, hey, wait a minute. You know, I'm living a life here, and the devil may want to kill me. Being prepared. Having enough ammo. I mean, you got to, right? You got to be prepared. You got to know your strength. So God chose these people, the ones that would be prepared, the ones that would be vigilant. Look, okay? Because John 10, 10 says, the thief doesn't come to kill, but to kill, still and to destroy. That's what he's coming for. He's coming to kill, still and destroy. None of those are good terms, right? Kill, steal, or destroy, and none of that good. But Jesus said, man, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be the people that are always looking around saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Where's what's going on? Where do we want me to go? We've got to be vigilant in our lives. Most people don't think about God until they get in trouble. Most people don't think about going to church or reading their Bible or anything like that until they get in trouble. That's not the way we should be. We should be prepared. Amen. Ephesians 6, 12 through 14 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. He says, man, you're fighting a battle. Every one of you fighting to keep you discouraged, fighting to keep you unsuccessful in what you're doing, fighting to steal your finances, fighting to do whatever. Man, he's, he wants you killed, still destroyed. Why? Because you love Jesus. Because you're headed for heaven. Come on. Because you are his enemy. Because you're a Christian. You wonder why sometimes people get irritated with you? Because it's the, it's the demonic in them seeing the Jesus in you, and you don't even realize what's going on. The one thing I, I find very unusual is when I, when I leave and I go and I travel, and I'm anywhere I'm at, I, have, I, I see it obviously see it. It's like, I want to go up to people and ask them, what are you seeing when you're looking at me? You know, what are you seeing? What do what you, because I, 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 I will either have people, just strangers coming up and wanting to talk to me. I'll see people that are just like, oh, they're looking at me. They want to talk to me. And then I have others who I make mad and I don't do anything. Just my mere presence irritates people. And I know it's not me. You know, I'm not doing anything. It's what's in me that's irritating that person or causing that person to want to come talk to me. It's the weirdest thing, and it's the weirdest thing of who it will be because it's not a certain type of people. 
It's not like all bikers and cowboys want to come talk to me or something, you know? It's just, just random, random. But it's who's inside of me. And you got to understand that that's what's taking place in your life every day. Every day, the God on the inside of you is touching people's lives whether you realize it or not. So the enemy is wanting to stop you from moving forward. Okay? Now, look at verse 8, Judges 7, 8. So it says, The people took provisions in the, and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and he retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Now, they took their provisions and everybody got their trumpet. What were they all doing with the trumpet? Well, if you're thinking about a trumpet like, you know, like a trumpet, you know, like I was, then, you know, they didn't have that kind of trumpet. They had their horns, their ram's horns that they, their shofars, their horns that they blew, that they called the sheep, that they worked with, that they talked to one another with their horns, okay? So it wasn't a trumpet like a but the Bible says trumpet, and I kind of like the word, all right? Because it says they took their provision, everybody got their horn, they got their trumpet, got their, their shofar that they were going to go out with, all right? But it says they took their provisions, they took with them bread. They took with them some provisions to eat, because they're like me, you know, they're going to go out, they're going to get hungry, all right? So you got to remember something. You have to take with you the provision of life. If you're going to be successful, if you're going to walk in victory, you've got to take with you provisions. How many of y'all mothers, when you leave the house, take snacks for the kids? Huh? You, you are if you're smart, because the kid's going to get hungry, right? They're going to want something. So you go, and you've got the provisions. You go leave with the snacks. So let me tell you something. When you go and you leave, and you go out in this world, you better take the bread of life with you. And there's only one place you're going to get the bread of life, and it's from the Word of God. Amen? Because Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus said in John 6, 35, he said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me, he's never going to thirst. Listen to me. If you've always got the bread of life with you, all right, you're always going to have the provisions you need for the journey that's ahead of you and the battle that will come. But if you don't have the Word with you in your heart, I'm talking about, not carrying your Bible. You can carry your Bible and be totally ignorant of it. Right? You can have a Bible in the house and it doesn't make any difference unless you read it. You got to get the provisions. You got to get the bread of life because it's the revelations from the word that's going to change your life. Where is he? Bill over there. My father-in-law. He was this is a long, long time ago. He had an infection in his leg and he was sick in the hospital. And we were down there visiting for him and I was praying for him, and we were concerned of his first health. And he was getting ready to go in for a major surgery, and, and he said, he, I'll never forget it, he said, I, he said, man, I'm going to be okay. He said, I'm going to be okay. I was reading my Bible. He said, I couldn't sleep last night. I woke up. I got my Bible. I read my Bible. And he said, Psalms 23 just leaped off the page to me. God said, I will restore your failing health. And I got it right here, and he's showing me the Bible. He says, isn't this right? Isn't this right? Wave your hand there if I'm telling the truth. And he, says, he says, I, he said, I, I read it right there. And so I didn't say anything. But I, it, Psalms 23 doesn't say that. 
So I thought he got the scripture wrong. I thought he misquoted it, you know, but I said, hey, man, he's got a revelation. So stick with it. And I said, that's right, Bill. You got it. And so, man, he went through everything, flying colors. Doctors couldn't believe how quickly he got healed. And, and, and his body started restoring and started reacting to everything and just dismantling victory. He didn't. So after he got well, he got home and I went to him and said, hey, Bill, I got to ask you a question. I said, Psalms 23 doesn't say anything about restoring your failing health. Can I see your Bible? He said, oh, it does right here. But the translation that he had read was the old uh, New Living Translation. And those old green padded Bibles, you know, those old ones. And when I read it, I couldn't believe it. That's what it said. I wasn't about to say anything when he read it because I didn't want to say, no, Psalms 23 doesn't say that, you know. (laughs) But it did in his Bible. He got a revelation off the scriptures that changed his whole attitude, changed his life. It touched him, and that's what got him healed and through everything was because of the scripture that he read. That was his provision. That was his bread of life he got hold of, folks. Listen to me. When you're going through battles, you're going through trials and tribulations, you better start looking at the bread of life. You better start finding a revelation because it's the revelation that's going to change your life and set you free and put you on the course to victory. Amen? Amen. Okay. So let me, let's read on. Let's look at verse 16. Then he divided the 300 men into companies and he put the trumpet into every man's hand and an empty pitcher and torches inside the pitcher. Now, does that sound like battle equipment? You got a trumpet, you got an empty pitcher and a torch. Wow. And you're going to go defeat the whole army that said that they're like ants. There's more of them than the sand of the sea. And so he says, look at me and do this likewise and watch when I go to the edge of the camp, you do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you shall blow the trumpet on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. I mean, come on. If you were there like you're like, what? I mean, you've got a better battle plan. I mean, let's take the torch and set the hill on fire and see if the fire will burn down to the camp and catch your tent on fire, you know, and. Do we have any Molokov cocktails to throw or something? I mean, with the fire and and what we, and hit them in the head with the pitcher, you know, and and or something, right? No, you're going to go up on the side of the hill. You're going to take the pitcher, you know. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking a you know a, a pot pitcher. You're going to put a, 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 the torch in it and 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 you got your horn. You go, throw it up, everybody, and that's going to do the victory. But you see, God doesn't think like we think. But I want to show you something right here that is so amazing. Because what happened was, is he says, you're going to blow the trumpet. The trumpet, what did it say? I read to you the very first Isaiah 51. It's your voice. It's your voice declaring the word of God. The torch, it's the light. The light of God's word going forth. And the pitcher breaking is the sound of the, of the breaking of the chains of the enemy and the miracle coming into your life and what you need. But something's got to get out of your mouth in your trumpet. Hear what I'm saying? The declaration of God's word has got to become the trumpet in your mouth, declaring and going forth. It's like I said at the first, what, are you, what is your prophetic voice? Doom and gloom? What's your prophetic voice coming out of your mouth? We ain't never going to get through. This ain't going to, I don't know how this is ever going to work. I mean, what's coming out of your, what's your prophecy out of your mouth? You're the head or you're the tail? When the light of God, when they broke those pictures and they got up on the side of the hill, they all shouted, 
the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Isn't it interesting that he threw himself in there? But how about this? How about this? What are you saying? When you say, Jesus is my brother, I am a son of God. Not the son of God, but a son of God. In other words, when you start to make your declaration and your trumpet blasting, are you saying, Lord, you are great, and you're going to make me great too. Lord, you're the healer, and you heal my body. Lord, you're the provider, and you provide for me. That's what Gideon was doing, was saying, the sword of the Lord, and also of Gideon, the sword of the Lord, and you're going you're to make my sword strong. When the light of God's word appears, it's his presence opening up. And when his presence comes in, victory is all yours. Psalms 27.1, the Lord is my light, my salvation, and whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? John 8.12, Jesus spoke to them again, said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You see, church, what I'm trying to say to you this morning, and I, 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 you know, I've kind of got this message all maybe discombobulated around here. may not be in the best outline form, but what I'm trying to say to you is what's coming out of your mouth, the trumpet of the Lord, is what you're going to walk in. It's your prophetic voice. And if you didn't realize you have a prophetic voice, because we all do, and you're using it, each and every one of us every day are using our trumpets. Think about it. Each and every one are using it. You're using it. You have a trumpet coming out of your mouth. What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying over your children? What are you saying over your boss, your employees? What kind of a trumpet, what kind of a note are you playing? Are you with me? If you want to see victory, it doesn't have to look like You have all the greatest arsenal. You just need God on your side. Gideon had pitchers, a trumpet, and a torch, and God brought about a great victory, right? All God's looking for in you is to get your trumpet playing the right tune. Do you hear what I'm saying? Get your trumpet playing the right tune. So let me show you this. Years ago, I started writing down scriptures. I have a, had a little, little travel journal here that I picked up, and it's just got pages in it, and just got, I just wrote in here. My writing's terrible. You can't hardly read it. And so I started writing down scriptures. As I was, as I was reading the Bible, I just wrote down a scripture, something that jumped off to me. And, this, and I've used this thing, I mean, I've had this for 20 years. And I've just, you know, got page after page after page of scriptures in here. And I had, sometimes I categorize them, sometimes I do this, sometimes, you know, whatever. Sometimes I just randomly write them down. But this morning, because see, I always pray them. I pray them over y'all. And this morning when I was praying, I really was really strange because I was going along there and, and I knew this is the message I was preaching. And then the Lord said, I want you to show them all how to play their trumpet. And I said, okay, Lord, just, what are you talking about? How am I going to show them how to play a trumpet? He said, just do what you're doing. 
So I want to, I want to show you this. This is, that had to be exactly how your trumpet sounds. How many of y'all know that a trumpet can make a lot of different sounds? Right? But let me just show you that this is what your trumpet should sound like. Lord, according to Galatians 4 and 6, I'm a son of God. According to Ephesians 2 and 6, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. According to Ephesians 1, 3, all of my authority lies in heaven. And according to Romans 8, 17, I'm a joint heir with Christ Jesus. I'm playing my trumpet. I'm playing my song right now. According to Colossians 1, 13, the devil has no power over me today because I've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. According to Romans 6, 6, sin ain't going to have dominion over me today because I've been crucified with Christ. But nevertheless, it's not I that live, but Christ that lives on the inside of me. According to John 16, 33, in this world, you said I'd have some tribulation, Lord, but be a good cheer because I've overcome the world. Hey, I'm playing my trumpet. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's your trumpet. According to 1 John 5, 4, all oh, this world's not going to have victory over me because in this, you said this is a victory that overcomes the world. It's my faith. And so, Lord, I thank you for my faith is going to overcome whatever happens out there in life. Lord, according to 2 Thessalonians 3, 2, I thank you today I'm delivered from the hands of wicked, unreasonable men because they all don't hold faith. I'm playing my trumpet. This is how you play your trumpet. Galatians 2, 2 and 20, Lord, I thank you that my flesh isn't going to have power over me today. The other day, I got to tell you all this. I, I brag on myself. I'm trying to change. I really want to be more godly. So the other day, we're driving in San Antonio. Cars were going all over the place, and this car just, man, I mean, just majorly cut me off. I mean, it was... You know, it was bad. And, and so I didn't say anything. And then I said, I said, Lord, I thank you that you, you've given me the ability to bear all things. My wife looked at me and said, what did you say? Because usually I'd have said something else. And I said, bless them, Lord. Cause me to bear all things. Now, I didn't really feel like saying that, Right? But it just hit me. If you're going to walk in love, the Bible says walk in love. It says you've got to bear all things, believe all things, right? So I'm having to bear it, the idiot driver in front of me, right? Where does that come from? It came from playing my trumpet all the time. That's where that came from. It came from playing my trumpet all the time. See, folks, if you start playing music and you start playing your trumpet all the time, you get good at it after a while. If you don't practice, you're not going to get any better. I want to tell you something. You know what? All the, all the, the, the group that plays up here and all the different deals, you know, every one of them had to overcome fear to get up here. Right? Even myself this morning, I, had to, I was a little nervous. I'm always a little nervous. You have to overcome. You have to do something over and over and over again until you can get comfortable at it. If you don't play your trumpet, you're not going to be a very good trumpet player. If you don't practice playing your trumpet, you're not going to be very good. You're never going to be able to really join the band. Do you hear what I'm saying? Until you can walk around your house playing your trumpet out loud, you're never going to get better if you had to hide in your closet to play your trumpet. You're never going to be able to use, play, be a trumpet player in public. <laughs> Do you follow me? Some of you are like, I ain't playing my trumpet in public. 
play my trumpet home quietly in my mind. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. That's like them going up on the hill. They're going up on the side of the hill with their trumpet and their pitcher, and they said, well, I'll, just, I'll, play, mine, I'll play mine silently. <laughs> I will be in spirit with y'all playing, but I'll put it to my lips, but I'm not really going to blow, but in my mind I am. How can that work? You follow me? If you want to see victory come into your life, if you want to see God moving miraculously in life, if you want to hear pictures breaking, you want to see God doing things and alive and everything that's going on within, folks, listen to me, you've got to learn to play your trumpet. You've got to learn to play your trumpet. You've got to learn to announce and proclaim in your house what the Word of God says. You've got to become unashamed to pray out loud, to quote the Word out loud, to speak out loud. To declare your love for, for your Savior, to declare your victory that He's bought you. You gotta learn how to play your trumpet. Amen? Look at the person beside you and say, He's not gonna let you off on this one. You hear what the Lord's saying this morning, church? You gotta play your trumpet. And when you do, victory's yours. Too many people are spending too much time sitting around asking God to do something when God is waiting for you to play your trumpet. They're saying, oh God, will you do this for me or will you do that for me? I prayed, I asked the Lord to do something. No, no, no. What have you announced? What have you proclaimed? What have you tooted on your trumpet? What kind of a song do you have playing? So what's coming out of your trumpet? <laughs> Hello? See, if I, I need to work this message up, then I need to get me a, a horn player. You know, Tim, the horn player that plays, goes with Ivan all the time, I need to get him up, and then I'm going to have him burst out right here in a big trumpet deal. Y'all remind me to do that someday. Amen? Well, stand to your feet. Can I have my prayer team come down, please? Now, we know, you know we have dinner on the grounds today, and so I want to encourage you to, to stay in the fellowship with people and maybe sit at a different table than you normally do. You know, I was going to try this this morning, but I, I, I thought I'd be pushing the limit. Because, you know, it's funny to me that I'll, I'll talk to some of y'all, and I'll say, yeah, you know so-and-so and that goes to church? And no, I don't know. Well, we're pretty small church to not know everybody in here. But the reason why we don't is because see you all sit in the same places and then you know that your little community around you, but you don't know who's sitting over on the other side of the church. And so what you ought to do today is make a new friend. Amen? You ought to mix it up. Go sit with somebody different. Freak them out. Just freak them out, you know. We're eating with you. I want to know who you are. What do you do? Because we need friends. We need relationships. Amen? So if you do need prayer here this morning, well, then we're here to pray with you this morning. If you're out there listening and watching the broadcast and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, well, then I just encourage you right there. According to Romans chapter 10, it says that in verse 9 that if you will confess with your mouth and you'll believe in your heart and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that you'll be saved. What do you be saved from? Well, you'll be saved from the wrath to come. You'll be saved from, from eternally being separated from God. You'll be saved 
and brought into the kingdom of God. But if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll see God move in your life. So right there, wherever you are, just ask him to come in. Just ask him to come in and cry out and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood, and he will. If you're in here today, that's why we have a prayer team right here to pray with you, to come into agreement with you. Whatever it may be, whether you're praying this morning over financial situations or life, or you need to ask Jesus to come in your heart, well, that's why we have a prayer team. They're here for you. And so take that person's hand beside you and look at them before you bow your heads there. Look at them and say, you got to play your trumpet. And so, Father, right now, just bless them. As we go out, Lord, I just pray that you'll give us all inspiration to play our trumpets. Lord God, you'll give every one of us inspiration to to know you and to grow with you. Inspiration, Lord God, to to be able to declare your word and learn your word and and be trumpet players for you. To tell the good news to all the world about Jesus. Lord, I ask you to bless each and every person here today. Bless them exceedingly abundant beyond they could even think or ask. Lord, I ask you today that as we go and have fellowship together, let it be a great day of just you moving in our lives and us fellowshipping together. And Lord God, I praise you for it, and I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.